0: Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. I'm Dr. Jerry Walker.
1: And I'm Sergeant Ackerberg.
0: On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblock you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. And today we're talking about... Courage. Mm.
2: So today we're actually continuing the third installment of our What Makes a Good Leader uh, session. So we started with nobility and we continue with humility. And we've had a few other podcast interviews in between here and there, but we're picking back up today and we're going to talk about courage. Uh, courage is a very important facet of what it means to be a leader. And, and I would challenge you to think of somebody whom you feel is a very good leader, either you know them personally or maybe you've read a biography on that individual, and see if you can't find a good example of how they have been courageous or they, how they have demonstrated courage. I'll bet you for every single person that you've envisioned, there's some stalwart event that stands out where... They have demonstrated that courage, and they've they've taken risks, sometimes calculated, sometimes uncalculated. But they've gone above and beyond what's been
0: expected of them and, against all odds, somehow found a way to succeed. And I know from a spiritual perspective, courage is something that we need to remind ourselves of and to be courageous. And from uh, my faith background, there's a mind tool or mantra, you could say, saying being strong and courageous. And that was used by Joshua in the Hebrew scriptures. But why is he was nervous? He'd been a military leader, and now Mm -hmm. he's taking charge of this large population. So he needed something to tell himself. You could call that an affirmation, a mind tool, a mantra, whatever you want to call it. It's affirming to himself that he needed to be strong and courageous and to find his faith in the the higher power and in his ability to succeed. I, I love that because you recognize that Joshua was scared. Oh, yeah, he, absolutely. He was
2: afraid. And I think that's almost a requisite for courage. Yes. Because if you're not afraid, then really it's not taking much courage at all. Courage is, is the audacity to act despite this great fear. So we acknowledge it, we know that it exists, but we're saying, I'm going to still do what I believe to be right or what I believe to be the best course of action
0: for all people involved despite that fear. And we'd like to think that we automatically respond to a situation with courage, but sometimes we have to tell ourselves to respond with courage. And if you talk to folks who are first responders, they just didn't get to that point overnight. There's training to tell themselves over and over again, whether it's their actions, their experience, to be able to take the action when they need to. So for us, it's just reminding yourselves that to be strong, to be courageous and to take action when needs to be.
2: Absolutely. And when we think of courage, sometimes we think of bravery, of taking action in these life or death situations. But really, uh, courage happens in the smaller moments that we experience throughout the day. And a perfect example is uh, to juxtapose this with the key enemy of courage, which is conformity. So uh, I know, but Bunch of you guys out there have uh, taken Intro to Psych or Psych 101 and probably familiar with something called the Stanley Milgram Obedience Experiments. Um, if you're not, what it was is a series of experiments post World War II where a bunch of psychologists were sitting around trying to figure out how the uh, Nazis had made an entire nation of people so obedient to their authority. And so they conducted a series of experiments uh, here in America to determine what were the necessary requisites for making somebody obedient even when they uh, knew what they were doing wasn't right. So, in the Milgram experiments, participants were brought into a to an enclosed room and they're shown a control panel for some random machine and they were told that by clicking certain levers they could administer uh, shocks of varying voltage to a participant in the other room who was having to, to learn some sort of uh, exercise. And each time that uh, other participant got something wrong, um, they were supposed to shock them, essentially to encourage them to do better and to, to learn whatever you know the lesson was. Now, there wasn't actually a person being shocked. Almost all of the the people in the study actually believed that they were causing harm to another person. And believe it or not, two-thirds of the people who who participated in this experiment actually proceeded to shock that individual not once, not twice, but up to 20 times administering what they thought was a final shock of 300 volts, which could be near fatal. Um, But that goes to show how... uh, how much courage it takes to, in the face of, say, authority in this example, um, it can take to do what you know to be right. And in this, this particular scenario, the experimenters weren't uh, actually overtly acting on that authority. All they would say were these casual prompts to the participants to continue. Uh, literally, one of the, the verbiages they used was, the experiment requires that you must go on. But that's all it took to convince two-thirds of people to continue to do something they knew intrinsically not to be right. And so it does take a lot of courage to, um, to go against authority figures, especially in those situations where uh, you're now becoming cl- complicit in an action that you don't believe to be correct. It does take a lot of courage to stand up and say, hey, I have a problem with that. Now, for all of us who've taken the oath, you- you'll notice that we don't obey 100% of the time, right? I mean, we only obey the lawful orders of the people who are who are above us, so when we feel like like we're being asked to do something that is unlawful that is illegal that is immoral that is unethical,
0: we are obligated to stand up and say, "I don't believe this to be right, but that takes a lot of courage it does and I mean and that experiment is shocking
1: <laughs>
0: but I mean we you can see the need for courage in that environment and standing up against unlawful situations, but I also see courage in the Mm day-to-day. I'm not talking, and what the example I'm about to use is not for the military environment completely, because most of the time we have orders given to us that are lawful and legal, and Mm -hmm. things we have to do, we have to say yes to. But in our lives, we have the opportunity to say yes or no to so many things, whether it's attending events, or going to the movies, doing X, Y, or Z, and oftentimes we say yes because we want to please the other person. Absolutely, yeah. But we don't take time for ourselves, so we're ultimately exhausted all the time. There's a, a gentleman named Derek Sivers, and he has a phrase, it's a hell yes or no. Mm-hmm. It's a, is this aligned with my values, who I am? And then it's like, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. It's great. Or the answer is just no, no to everything. That should be the normal response. Now, again, not in your work environment. Don't say Chaplin said I should say no to everything I'm told to do. That's not <laughs> what we're getting at. But those extra things, those things that aren't necessary as part of your job that you feel like it would just be a good idea more often than not i see people come in my office who are stressed have anxiety not because of the work that they do but because of these extra things that they've chosen to pile on mm-hmm. just because they think it would look good to someone and what it's resulting in is fatigue and people being tired, not able to accomplish the mission. Mental strain because they feel overwhelmed with all the things that they've said yes to. Correct. So sometimes saying no takes a lot of courage. And how I often respond is any good movie you see is well edited. And sometimes (laughs) when you watch the cut scenes, you think, oh, I'm kind of glad they took that out. Rarely do you see a cut scene you're like, oh, that would have been really good in the movie. It's because the editors are looking at it and saying, what can we cut out of this to make this movie even better? And your life's like a movie. And you're the hero of it. So in this case, what can you say no to to reduce so you can focus on those things that are the most important in your life
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and you'll be better
2: at those things and be able to devote more time attention and and other resources to those things
0: uh, that you say hell yes to exactly and back to where we started when you say no to the little things it helps to develop that reservoir of courage so you're Mm -hmm. able to say stand up when you need to if you're continually not able to express courageous actions and mm-hmm. stand up for your beliefs, then when the opportunity comes and you're maybe shocking participants, I hope not, but if you're shocking somebody, uh, you may not have that experience to stand up, that mm-hmm. that moral fortitude to continue. That's a great point.
2: And, and up to this point, we've been talking about what I call interpersonal courage, so courage with other people, but there's also another side to that, which is intrapersonal courage, so courage within ourselves, and that takes the willingness to not back down from a challenge, to look at uh, the specific things in our lives that we feel like could be opportunities for improvement the goals that we have that seem like they're so far out of our reach that we've just stopped pursuing them entirely and to take those on with the the requisite courage to actually make them a reality Mm -hmm. Uh, nobody gets anywhere just by having these lofty goals or ideals and thinking to themselves oh well one day maybe i'll i'll Work up to that. It takes courage to actually subordinate other areas of your lives, to, uh, of your life, to say yes, to say no, and to make those things a, a priority, whatever those goals are. Um, but it takes a personal commitment and it takes courage.
0: And that might be as easy as saying, "Well, I can't go out Friday night. I'm studying for promotion. I want to take those classes or the CLEP for my CCAF. I want to start my degree program. I, I want to." Have courage and ask someone out on a date. I mean, these things are courageous actions. They may not be rushing into battle or mm-hmm. running into a burning building, but they are where you start to develop your courage. And internally, although some of those are, in, are working with other people, mm-hmm. and interpersonal, it's starting inside, inside you. And it all starts with taking a risk of going into uh, to the unknown so
2: you're acting despite having some temerity about the situation in which you're about to enter the same thing goes with trying something new i think a lot of times we are afraid to get out of our comfort zone and to experience something that maybe scares us or that we don't know a lot about just because it's uncomfortable because we like our tried and true. But ultimately that's boring and it doesn't help us develop or grow as people. So we have to have the courage to say, I'm going to step out on a limb and try X, Y, and Z. I'm going to go travel to you know, a new place that I've never been before. I'm going to learn a new language. I'm gonna try this new food that you know, looks disgusting and terrible and you know maybe I like it, maybe I won't, but I'm just gonna try it. I'm gonna experience a new culture. Uh, All these different things help us grow and make us better people and increase our breadth of experience. And I think that's really helpful for our personal development, but uh, more so in this day and age for our professional development as well.
1: What I like about courage specifically is that the more you take these acts, the more you learn about yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that helps with self-esteem, that helps with personal growth, like you were mentioning. Professional growth, but really finding out—wow, I could do that! Like, you know what I mean—and like looking back at what you did, taking that trip or whatever, right? Or going to the movies by yourself, going to dinner by yourself. Those yeah. are huge things that a lot of people will just sit at home if they don't have somebody else. But you learn about yourself as you mm-hmm. you take these steps into courage.
0: Well, I think when you brought Lady in is another example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Lady, a therapy dog. When you made the proposal, like, hey, I want to bring this therapy dog into the wing.
1: Oh my gosh, uh, I. Yeah. Was so nervous that she was just going to be terrible that I was like, people are going to think we're a fraud. Like, people are really going to think I'm just bringing a dog into the unit. But mm-hmm. I really wanted to show her skills. So, yeah, I ha- I saw the fear. And there was this moment where I was like, she's not ready. She's not ready. But it wasn't lady. Lady's always ready. I wasn't ready. Um, but by taking that step and bringing her... My gosh! Like, yeah. look at the benefits that, that that has made. And and
0: she'd already gone through the training. She had. And mm-hmm. but it's still that first initial visitation with mm-hmm. Lady. After it's been approved by the Wing Commander, mm-hmm. we're going in and thinking, how is this going to go?
1: Yeah, people are looking at this dog. Like, okay, <laughs> show me what you got. And I'm like go visit, <laughs> you know, and really taking that step.
2: And I can see as somebody who's worked with you for the past nine months now, how that event built your confidence mm-hmm. because you said, okay, I was able to start this initiative and that was all you, mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of support from your teammates, but that, that was your initiative and it got approved. And you said, okay, well now I'm going to, I'm going to plan some more Mm-hmm. Projects and some more programs, and he took off on those as well. And so it almost became a stepping stone to take further courageous acts. Yeah. This is actually something we do in uh, psychological treatment all the time with people mm-hmm. who experience anxiety and depression. I'll give you an example. In um, 2005, I was working as a research assistant um, at the University of Texas's Study for Anxiety Disorders Lab. And we worked with a lot of different people with a variety of different anxieties and phobias. But one particular one that was really common was. Uh, fear of spiders, mm-hmm. arachnophobia. And so we actually had an animal lab component that had snakes, spiders, cockroaches, rats, you know, all these different animals that people typically are, are afraid of. And what we did is something called uh, progressive uh, or systematic desensitization, which is progressive exposure to the feared object. And for some of these folks, even talking about spiders or seeing a picture of a spider provoked intense anxiety for them. Mm -hmm. So we would start there, and we get them accustomed slowly to uh, seeing the spider or thinking about what it would be like to see it in real life and gradually expose them progressively to the point where they built up enough confidence— and competence and courage to where they can actually hold that spider in their hand and be okay. And it is phenomenal. I'm I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, I would never hold a spider in my hand. Well, imagine if you had a deathly afraid phobia of these things and now you're able to actually hold them and and be okay. All it takes is those stepping stones to gradually build your courage to accomplish a feat that you probably never thought yourself capable of at the outset.
0: But we can do that in our personal lives as well. Well, I'm glad I now know where you developed your spidey sense yeah <laughs> you have a much larger web than i thought oh, academically goodness. speaking okay well we want to thank you for listening to the pillars the podcast of the 363rd isr wing of the united states air force i'm chaplain jim Bridgem. i'm dr jerry walker
1: and i'm sergeant ackerberg
0: until next time if you need us, just reach out to us on the global address list finally we want to thank you for what you do for our nation have a great day mm-hmm.